Welcome to the world of Aeora, a news and lore podcast about the Pillars of Eternity games, as well as Obsidian Entertainment's upcoming release, Avowed. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the world of Aeora. I'm your host, Eric, aka Gingerino. Thanks everyone for joining me on another episode as we dive into the history, lore, and game mechanics for Pillars of Eternity as we gear up for the release of Avowed. For those wondering why we pair Pillars of Eternity with Avowed, it's because they share the same fantasy world known as Aeora. And so as the theory goes, if we dive into the games, the first Pillars of Eternity games, we can uh, hype ourselves up for Avowed as it undergoes development, and as well, when the game releases, we can have a deeper understanding of the world that the game is played in. We can understand the nuances that Obsidian will include in its narratives. We can understand what the NPCs are talking about when they refer to different factions or things that the world runs on, etc., etc. As well, it's just a, a point for us to you know geek out and nerd out about this kind of stuff, because we're into this kind of thing, right? Today we're going to be talking about one of the gods in Aeora. As a bit of background for you to understand what it is we're talking about, in, in fantasy games, quite often you'll see a pantheon of deities that exist in the background of the world, or as part of the lore, or the metaphysics, what have you. Any fantasy game you have will very often have gods to be dealt with, whether directly or indirectly. And Aeora is no different for Pillars of Eternity and Avowed. There are gods present in the world. In the time of Pillars of Eternity, there are 11 gods to contend with. And I'm not going to list them all here, but there are 11 of them, one of which is the god we're going to be talking about today. And in Avowed, it seems we'll also be dealing with uh, those gods as well, especially since we can see one of the symbols in the reveal trailer released a few years ago now, or I guess a couple of years ago at this point. So the gods will very likely play a point in the story of Avowed, as they're very heavily tied to what makes this world the way that it is. The god in question that we're going to be discussing today is Galloway, Lord of the Hunt in all of its forms. And I'm kind of surprised, actually, that I haven't done an episode about him to this point in time. When the reveal trailer for Avowed first came out, a lot of people were speculating that the statue that you see of the man with the wolf and the sword was Galloway. I argue that it's not Galloway. I don't think it matches the imagery and the description that we know his visage to look like, you know, if you, if you could have one. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's not. I, I'm still on team. The statue is not Galloway, but still, regardless, I, that's, I'm surprised I haven't done an episode on him yet simply because of that. It was a hot topic for a little bit there. But yeah, we're going to be talking about Galloway, the Lord of the Hunt and all his forms. The only thing we really need to know about Galloway moving forward is that he is the god of monsters and beasts and the hunt, obviously, nature, things like that, pursuit and discovery. We're going to get into it right away. There's no news to go over. I know that a lot of us were hoping the Game Awards might have something, not even necessarily avowed related, but perhaps even obsidian related, but not even a peep about anything, which I know a lot of us are disappointed about. Um, I am disappointed too, not in the sense of like I'm disappointed in Obsidian or Xbox, more so just like, ah, you know, that would have been nice, but I, you know, I get it, maybe there's nothing to talk about, or maybe it's too early to talk about it, you know, there's a lot of valid reasons why something might not show up there, and that's, that's okay with me. I also heard that Microsoft was taking a back seat on reveals at the Game Awards simply because of what's going on with their Activision takeover that they're trying to do, I don't know. If there's any validity to that argument, but whatever, it doesn't change the reality of the situation we're in. So I'm looking forward to the future optimistically. I'm sure Xbox is going to put out their own reveal show at some point in the future. They tend to like to do that kind of stuff. And you know what? The news will come out when it does. For now, you got this show and a vowed cast and uh, 
a myriad of YouTube videos if you search for it, and anything else someone here wants to put up together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's get into today's lore. I'm curious. What exactly did you find there? So Galloway goes by a number of different names. You can hear him be referred to as the Seeker God, the Clever Hound, Lord of the Hunt, Faces of the Hunt, Father of Monsters, the Changeling, or Tuamawai, um, if you're part of the Huwana culture from Pillars of Eternity 2, Deadfire. Reading off of the Pillars of Eternity fandom Wikipedia article for Galloway, we see Galloway is patron of the hunt in all of its forms. He is also protector of wild places and untamed wilderness, where the hunt manifests in its purest form as a daily struggle for survival. And that's kind of the, uh, the, the very quick description of Galloway. When you start to get into Galloway theology and philosophy, you understand it's more than just about this bushman in the woods who's learned to survive by killing wolves and stalgares and all that stuff. It's about the pursuit of discovery and um, survival as well. And I think that the hunt just... You know, the idea of hunting or being hunted or something like that just really personifies what he's about. As a god in the world of Aeora, uh, Galloway has a portfolio of domains. And what I mean by that is that there are areas, there are aspects to existence in Aeora, to that reality, that match who Galloway is. So, like, in some fantasy worlds, you'll see, like, this person is god of fire, and that means they're just in charge of fire. But in other instances, a god of fire means that fire somehow personifies that god and who they are as a personality and so when we look at Galloway, the portfolio of things that he is in charge of that he's the god of Galloway is the god of pursuit discovery perseverance the hunt assassins wilderness and predatory beasts that's the list of things that Galloway has a portfolio of domains for and it's these intersection of these seven different domains that really kind of tell you who and what Galloway is, both as a deity and as kind of like a personality. Now, going to the Pillars of Eternity Collector's book, page 22 to 23, um, you can read the official write-up published by Dark Horse, written up by Obsidian, I imagine, for the official lore about Galloway, the god. Uh, I always find Galloway to be one of the main gods, by the way, that is depicted in the artwork for Pillars of Eternity. So if you have Pillars of Eternity 1 or 2 on PC and you look in the files for in your PC for the game, you can find artwork for a various amount of things. And not all of the gods in the world have artwork or statues or drawings of them, but Wodica and Galloway for sure do. And that makes me think that Galloway was meant to be a much bigger part of the story than we know about from the first two Pillars of Eternity games, or if there's something else going on. Maybe it had something to do with the Kickstarter Maybe they never reached something, I don't know. But anyways, I feel like there's a lot behind Galloway that hasn't come to the surface yet, necessarily. Anyways, here's the official lore that we'll go through and I'll add commentary as we go. Galloway is patron of the hunt in all its forms, and he is honored by those who, uh, whose occupations are concerned with pursuit and discovery. His faithful include frontiersmen, constables, treasure seekers, explorers, and even scholars, many of whom wear his carved symbol, a dog's head, around their wrist or neck. So this first part um, really kind of helps personify who and what Galloway is. So hunt in all of its forms. And I think that last part in all of its forms is very important. When we think patron god of the hunt in all of its forms, it's very easy to think of like, oh, I'm going fox hunting on my 
horse and what have you, or, you know, I'm going out with nothing but my eye patch and my knife, and I'm going to stab myself the biggest tiger in these jungles that you could ever see. It's easy to think of something like that, like a hunt in there, but there's also different forms of hunting. And when you take a look at the list of people, the kind of people that will worship Galloway or pray to Galloway, we even have things like scholars. And that's because I think a lot of scholars are on the hunt for answers. Now, now that might sound a little funny. That might feel like, oh, Eric, you're really trying to make this fit right now, aren't you? It's like, no, no. Like it says, the patron god of the hunt in all of its forms. And I think that there is a hunt in a sense when you're looking for answers to questions about things that you're researching, you know? The idea of the hunt is that you are tracking something. You know that there's something there. You're trying to find it and you're trying to overcome it. You're trying to subdue it and come out the other side successfully, if you will. And I think there's a lot of that that would be analogous to being like a scholarly academic researcher. So I think a lot of people unknowingly would be people that could pray to Galloway. Now, when we look at this list of people, we have frontiersmen, constables, treasure seekers, explorers, and even scholars. Uh, like in many polytheistic cultures, which I don't know if Obsidian took uh, cues from this or not, um, you might pray to more than one god. So if you look at the history of our real earth world that have polytheistic cultures, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them have where you were an individual, depending on your job, would determine what god you prayed to. And depending on what things you would interact with on your daily life would depend on what god or gods you would pray to. Sometimes you would pray to more than one god in a day. Like, I pray to the god of rain that my crops might see rain, but I also pray to the god of health that my child who is sick uh, heals or something uh, overnight, you know? So, like, you pray to more than one god. And so it makes sense that these occupations, these people who have these jobs we listed, would pray to Galloway at some point in their day or even devote the main entirety of their religious life to Galloway. Moving on back on with the lore. He is also a protector of wild places and untamed wilderness, where the hunt manifests in its purest form as a daily struggle for survival. And that's another aspect to Galloway that is important, is the struggle for survival. Um, that every day is a struggle, and that you have to overcome something that is stronger than you, or you have to try to become stronger than things around you to survive. Uh, Galloway, I think, would be a lot more of a fan of the strong eat the weak kind of mentality. You have to be stronger than those around you to be able to be better, and then that therefore means you are more powerful in the environment that you're in, and that you influence that area that you're in and that environment you're in for the direction that it's going to go. Whether that's for better or worse is, I guess, up to someone else to decide, but still, I, I think that's how Galloway would tend towards. Perseverance and cleverness are prized by Galloway above brute strength. He particularly delights in turnabout, the transformation of prey into predator, or any sort of reversal where the weak gains an advantage over the strong. So this is something interesting about Galloway. So like I did just say that Galloway would probably be more of a fan of like the strong eat the weak. He's also not just a fan of brute strength. Cleverness is important to Galloway, and I think that that matters a lot because it's very easy, I would, I would think, to stereotype this deity and the people that would follow this deity into thinking that it's just about who's a better huntsman, who's better at surviving in the woods, but it's also about cleverness. So it's all about using your mind to overcome things around you because, yeah, sure, this Stalgar you're coming up against, which is like a fantasy saber-toothed tiger in this, in this world, you're going up against this thing. It's much stronger, more deadlier than you, but you have something the Stalgar doesn't have, 
And that is conscious thought, or at least, you know, the ability to reason and maybe come up with a way to trap it, something like that, you know, and using that to the advantage, to your advantage to overcome this admittedly stronger foe is something that pleases Galloween. Animals that assist mortals in the hunt, example as dogs or falcons, are particularly sacred to the seeker god, so Galloween really um, values these animals as uh, helpers in the hunt. And slaying or abusing them is thought to draw his ire. In stories, his punishment is often meted out by transformation into a prey species, with the offender left to the mercy of the very animals that he formerly abused. So it sounds like if you're an animal abuser, um, then Galloween's going to turn you into an animal that's further down the food chain than the one you're abusing, so it can eat you. And now you can feel what it's like to be on the other end of it. Um, so I wouldn't piss off Galloween if I was you. Which is interesting to think about in terms of the game. Like, is that something that could happen to you? Like, you know how in every game we're always like, I gotta, I gotta punch the chicken. I just have to. Ever since Legend of Zelda, you have to stab the chicken with a sword. Well, wouldn't it be great in Avowed if you go, you see the chicken, you're like, oh, it's gamer law. I have to go slash the chicken with a sword. You slash the chicken with the sword. All of a sudden you get turned into, I don't know, a bug. <laughs> and now the chicken chases you. And as long as you survive the next 30 seconds, you'll turn back into yourself. But... I, I would like, hey, those those of you over at Obsidian, if you're looking for some uh, unique twist on the abusing chickens trope that's in video game history, maybe do something like that. <laughs> Make the chicken turn huge so that it can try to eat you for once. That would be good. Anyways, back to the book. In the mortal world, Galloway often manifests as a wolf or a dog, though he may also appear as the Changeling. That's capital C, Changeling. A broad-shouldered man with shaggy hair and beard, Nut brown skin and some animal traits, example, pointed hairy ears like an Orlans and sharp canine teeth. As the changeling, he is almost always accompanied by his pack, a fearsome assortment of predatory beasts. This is the main reason that I don't think that the statue in a vowed reveal trailer can be Galloway, because it doesn't match this description of what his form is. So his manifested form in the real world when he decides to say, I'm going to go visit the mortals today and see what they're up to. This is what Galloway looks like. Okay, broad shoulder, yes, uh, shaggy hair and beard. Well, the statue wasn't depicted quite like that. Um, we can't tell the color, um, but it doesn't really have any animal traits like the pointed hairy ears or the canine teeth. As well, the only animal that was accompanying the statue in the reveal trailer for Avowed was just a wolf. But the changeling is supposed to have like a wolf and a bear and a stalgare and other predatory beasts. And there's also no mention of a sword. So that's why I don't think the hero statue thing uh, that we see there is Galloway in any sort of way. I just think that it's somebody important to the avowed world. I guess we'll find out. Legends suggest that Galloway once served as a divine enforcer, destroying those who defied the gods. Such stories seem to date from vanished era when Wodica ruled the other gods, for it is often she who commands the seeker, that's the god Galloway, to destroy a hapless individual, or, in some cases, an entire mortal city. So it seems like Galloway is kind of like the guy to send when you want to mess some people up. Or at least if the gods want to mess somebody up, they're like, we're going to send Galloway after you. So <laughs> that threat could be something that you do not want to have uttered towards you. Can you imagine if in the game of Avowed you do something that lays a curse upon you that you get like the mark of the hunted? You know, you always see that in TV shows where one of the main characters gets a mark put on their chest that they can never get rid of, and some, like, mythical hunter or huntress just pursues them you know, almost ethereally and just cannot stop until they're destroyed. You know, I could see that being kind of something that would happen here with Galloway. 
Though he has not served this role for centuries, which is, you know, to be the big bad guy that the gods send toward people, many believe that he would do so again if the need arose, and mortal assassins still consider him to be their divine patron. So assassins pray to the god Galloway a lot. Makes sense, considering he was basically the deified assassin of the group. For some Glenfothen clans, the Seeker God has a particularly important role. It is he who confers legitimacy upon their leadership, Amunfatha and Amamunfatha, for males and females, respectively. So, Glenfothen clans are a faction that exists within the Pillars of Eternity world. In the first game, you get to meet them. They are essentially the native peoples of the Eastern Reach, which is the area that the first Pillars of Eternity game is played in. So they're the native tribes that have existed there before the colonists that come along, the Deerwoodens. They're the native tribes that are there. And the leadership of these Golanfathan tribes, uh, the main leadership is the Amunfatha and the Amenamunfatha, which are just basically king and queen, if you want to put it into layman terms. But that's kind of what's going on there. So they would pray to the seeker god Galloway, uh for legitimacy in their, um, their rule. It is he who confers legitimacy upon the leadership who are expected to be cunning, effective leaders of the hunt. So you probably have to be proficient at hunting in order to become a leader of the, the Erglonfathans. When an Amenfath is dying, he is carried into the deep forest and to be left there to be claimed by the Seeker God. If the Seeker God deems an Amenfath worthy, the Glonfathans believe that he will leave the corpse intact, carrying off the chief's soul to join his pack. That's an interesting little uh, uh, religious thing there. So if you're like the leader of this group, you will get taken out to the woods as you're dying and left, left to die. Uh, and if they come back and your body is intact, then that means that Galloween approved of you in some way. He just took your soul, but he told the rest of the surrounding animals to not mess with your corpse as a manner of respect for you. So it's more personality of what we're getting from with this uh, Galloween guy. If you're not worthy, the Seeker's hounds will tear apart the chief's body and his soul will be forced to find its own way to the afterlife. In such cases, that chief's name is struck from the oral records of the clan and he is quickly forgotten. Wow. So who knows how many people in the history of this culture have been forgotten or are stricken from historical records that we can never learn about because, you know, some animals happened upon them and Galloween didn't stop them from tearing them apart. A similar tradition has arisen among devotees of Galloway and other cultures. Frontiersmen who have followed the Seeker for most of their lives and who have proven themselves worthy hunters will often wander into the woods when they feel death approaching, hoping that their souls will be accepted by their divine patron. Explorers have reported finding the desiccated corpses of woodsmen that have apparently lain in the wilderness for weeks or months yet remained untouched by animals, letting some credence to these beliefs. So it seems that if you're someone who is deeply connected to Galloway, there's this instinct at the end of your life to just walk into the woods, sit down and die, and for some reason the animals don't come and eat you? I guess it's a thing with Galloway. He's got some respect for you. He's like, ah, man, you're going to die an honorable death, and we're going to leave your, your body where it is, and my, my, my creatures of the woods will not devour you. So hmm, that's his own personal thing, I guess. Souls that are accepted by the Seeker are thought to join his pack of predatory beasts. Those who are particularly favored may be chosen as the first in a new species. In his role as father of monsters, the Seeker has continually fashioned new races of predatory creatures that dwell in a deep wilderness. When I read about this, I often get, um, uh, what, what's the, what's the thing from Skyrim? Oh, here scene, that's the one. I'm always getting here scene vibes from this, from like, if you're a person who is, attached to hear scene from Skyrim and you die then you get to go to his hunting grounds for the rest of eternity and people are like oh that sounds great and it sounds like a lot of people who worship Galloway and also have the same sentiment of oh 
I get to become one of the predatory beasts in the realm of Galloway after I die, or if I'm super lucky, I become a new race of predatory creature in the world. What's pretty interesting, you imagine how badass you have to be in order to become a new predatory species? I wonder what the Stalgare used to be. Hmm. These creatures are always clever hunters, each more dangerous than the last, and their characteristics are inspired by the mortal follower who is selected as the first of their kind. So there you go. That's Galloway. That's the official write-up for Galloway in the book, um, the collector's book for Pillars of Eternity, which you can still buy on Amazon. It's like a hundred something bucks though. So make sure you have the money for it if that's what you want to do. Or you can just read it through the PDF of your PC game files for Pillars of Eternity 1, which is what I'm doing because I live on a budget. So with that, we're going to dive into some of the more tangential lore that's related to Galloway. The first thing I want to bring up is the godlike. Now, for those who haven't played Pillars of Eternity or uh, are just curious about what that is, need a reminder, the godlike are one of the unique races that exist in the world of Aora. If you play fantasy games or read fantasy stories or watch fantasy movies, you'll be familiar with different worlds having unique races. Of course, we're used to certain tropes like elves, dwarves, and humans and the like, but there's always a unique one, right? There's always that one that's kind of different. If you play D&D, you get a whole bunch of them, something like Tieflings, for example. Um, there's uh, unique races and things like Dragon Age and Skyrim. You've got unique races in all sorts of fantasy games and worlds and stories. Aeora is no different. In Aeora, you have Amalans, you have Orlans, and you have Godlike. What the Godlike are, essentially, is you were a baby in the womb of your mama, and you were a normal person for a bit, and then one of the 11 gods of the world was like, I bless you. And now you're what's called a godlike. You'll still have the form of your parents. So if you have elven parents, you'll have an elven figure. But your physiology will be entirely different. You'll look way different. You know, if you are blessed by the god of fire, then you might have fire for hair. You might have uh, fire in your eyes. Your skin might be cracked and crackling with sparks coming out them. In the case of Galloway, if you're a fetus in the womb and you're blessed by Galloway, you will become what's called a nature godlike, and you will take on natural tendencies. So you'll likely have things related to vegetation or to some sort of creature thing. So you could have horns, like a goat. You could have mushrooms or moss growing off of your body. You could have vines for hair. You could have antlers, like a deer. You know, it can be anything like that, and that would be a nature godlike. So you're blessed by Galloway and you become a nature god. Like you have this uh, inherent connection to him and you also get this unique ability that comes with it. I don't know, like flowers grow wherever you step, something like that. I don't know. It depends how they want to do it. Of course, that kind of thing could happen in a vow. We could play as nature god lakes or you can interact with nature god lakes and we can see what kind of natural abilities that play into the world. Priests are class of character that you can play in Pillars of Eternity. Whenever you play fantasy-based video games, you always get to pick a class. You know, you can be things like a fighter, you can be a cleric, you can be a paladin or a ranger, etc., etc. Priests are one of the kind of characters you can play in Pillars of Eternity, and they're usually the... they're priests. They're connected to one of the gods, and they live their life in devotion to that gods, and their magic is based off of their... the what they... who they worship, right? So... There are priests to Galloway. Unfortunately, you cannot play as a Galloway priest in Pillars of Eternity 1 or 2, um, but they must exist within the lore. We don't necessarily know what they would behave like or what they would act like, but we could probably have some ideas. They would probably be clever people. You would expect them to be very clever people um, and very disciplined, but we don't know directly from playing the game. 
one person that I want to pay attention to in relation to kind of eking out the followers of Galloween, what it's like to follow Galloween, is a companion called Heravius. And Heravius is one of the companions you get in the first Pillars of Eternity game, one of the people that follow you throughout the game's story and who you learn about through playing the game. I'm not trying to get into too many spoilers for Heravius, but you eventually, through talking with him, learn that he had an event happen within his past that made him question his faith to Galloween, and he's starting to now explore a faith towards Wall one of the other gods of the world. And the reason that he is um, kind of experimenting with this other god, Wall, is because he is seeking answers. And there's kind of this interplay going on here where you're trying to lean in one direction or the other of like, no, Herabius, you should stick with your original faith, Galloway, and here are the theological reasons why. I was like, oh no, you should go with Wall, and here are the theological reasons why. Because both gods deal with answering questions. Both gods deal with seeking truth, well, sort of. We'll get in a wall on another episode if I can ever organize all the information. Um, but there's different ways, right? While wall is about secrets and revelations and mysteries, and you'd want to pray to the god wall about revealing things that are unknown, uh, Galloween is also about the revealing of mysteries in the sense of pursuing truth and pursuing the answers to questions. And so you can push Heravius one way or another, depending on how you roleplay your character. I always think it's an interesting side quest and companion quest to wrestle with, because it really forces you to ask the question of, you know, if you're into the lore of this world, it really forces you to ask, okay, like, who is it that Heravius should be praying to? Should he be praying to Galloway? Should he be seeking the answer for his troubles that he has by leaning towards Galloway? Because he is seeking an answer, and that is like a hunt in some form. Or should he be praying to this other god, Wall, who's about the revelation of things unknown? And it's a it's an interesting thing to engage with. And another uh, interesting Galloway moral quandary comes from uh, a quest that you can have near the end of the First Pillars Eternity game, a quest called The Old Queen and the New King. Now, I'm not going to get too much into spoilers for it, but long story short, you, the player character, you go into this location uh, trying to resolve something, and here's the thing that needs a resolution. This faction called the Fangs has this old queen, which is basically a giant lioness named Sul. And this giant lioness is in charge of this area called Galloway's Maw. And I'm kind of going over the details there, so anyone who's like true nerds and geeks out there thinks I need to say more, just I'm just trying to make it accessible to everybody. This giant lioness, Sul, is in charge of this area, Galloway's Maw. And there's this new kind of contender this new predator in the area called Eranos, which is a giant bear, and it's a young bear, and this is supposed to be the new king. So here's the kind of moral quandary that exists within the Galloway theology, however, is that Sul, the giant lioness, is old, frail, and trying to protect her young, and is not in a condition, really, to take on the bear. Very likely wouldn't survive, right? Uh, so what she's doing, what this lioness is doing, is staying in her den, and basically forcing the bear to come to her, but then she's basically going to have the home field advantage to be able to take him down. The giant bear, however, uh, is not wanting to go to the den and instead is trying to lure this lioness out so that he can fight out in the open and uh, he can be victorious, which he probably will. And the fangs are kind of separated on 
what's right and what's wrong. At least that was my impression through playing the quest for maybe those who paid attention to it a little more. I didn't do this side quest as part of my main playthrough. I did this in my second playthrough, so I didn't pay attention to it as much. Whoops, my bad. Uh, but that's kind of the idea we're getting here of like, what's the right and wrong thing to do here? Because your character has to come in and kind of decide, okay, well, who is in the right? Sewell, the giant lioness that is staying in her den, or Ernos, the giant bear that is kind of, you know, and as far as a bear can do anyways, demand that the lioness meet him on his terms so that they can fight it out equally. There are merit to either side of the argument from a Galloween perspective. On the one side, Sewell is using her advantage of where she lives to maintain power over the area. However, she's very clearly not going to be able to beat this bear, which means the bear is a better predator than she is. Therefore, it kind of should win. It kind of, this bear should be the new king. It should take over the area. Because eventually she's going to die anyways, and something's going to have to be the big predator in this area. Right? So who's on the right and who's on the wrong? That's what the fangs are trying to think of. of like, oh, I'm pro Sewell. Oh, no, I'm pro Aronos. And there's kind of a divide between the fangs. So that's a, that's a little moral quandary in that theology. And perhaps we can find some answers to this in the scriptures of Galloway priesthood. There are two books that exist within the video game to read as capital S scripture for Galloway. Uh, one is called The Book of the Hunt, and the other one is called The Great Western Stag. And we're going to read both, and we'll offer commentary on the way. So the first is Book of the Hunt. Uh, Book of the Hunt goes as such. When my students ask to be taught the way of Galloway, I tell them they have already failed. Does one ask a deer to present itself as dinner? Of course not. One must outwit, outmaneuver, and overpower the deer if one dreams of venison. So it is with the seeker god. To ask a question is weakness and idle indecision. To seek answers is to understand and to become one with Galloway. Survival begins with strength from within. Right here, we learn a lot about the theology of Galloway. First off, it's kind of interesting that to ask a question is weakness, and idle indecision to seek answers is to understand. Uh, it's funny because Herabius is trying to decide between Galloway and Wal, and in Wal's theology, it's all about questions. In fact, to not ask a question is kind of like a sin in his eyes almost. Whereas with Galloway, sometimes just asking the question is a sin on its own, like a question without action. Uh, obviously, it's not that you're not allowed to ask questions as someone who follows Galloway, but it's the idea of merely asking a question. At least that's what I'm getting from this as I read on. But I only strike my students when they ask the second stupid question, for all of us begin young and weak. It is a point fact, and not one of shame, and a central tenet to Galloway's teachings. Perseverance and cleverness are prized by Galloway above brute force, a fact my young pups often forget. It is right and proper that the strong lead the weak, and it is equally proper that the strong be continually tested until the balance changes. Galloway celebrates the strength of the victor and the prowess of the well-fed predator, but above all, the clever hound celebrates the transformative nature of strength. Galloway's greatest desire for us is that the prey becomes predator, mewling babes grow into strong hunters, and the lost find their own enlightenment. So here we learn about Galloway's understanding of what strength is. Now, obviously, Galloway uh, prides strength in its normal sense, like just being a strong thing, a strong creature, but also learning to tune your own advantages to become strength over what was previously considered strong. So at one point, having brute force strength might have uh, been the victor for the day, but then 
someone else comes along and they use strength of their their wit, their mind, their charisma, whatever you want it to be, and then they overcome the battlefield and now they are the victor. Galloway delights in this kind of thing, this kind of turning of prey into predator through different means of strength. And that's what he's getting at here. The Seeker God is easy to understand if one actively engages in the quest for knowledge, but his secrets are self-occluding to those who merely ask. Desiring knowledge without the requisite hunt. My own flesh and blood once asked me, will learning to hunt please Galloway? I told him yes, but added, Galloway would prefer that you hunt to learn. And that kind of really sums up right there, uh, is that merely asking without action is not okay. But it's the asking of questions and the pursuit of the answer of those questions that matter to Galloway. And so in this sense, even I would be a devotee of Galloway because, you know, I like to seek out the truth in things. You know, I like to ask questions and also seek the answers rather than just asking the questions. You know, uh, this, this, this is stupid. The first thing that came to my mind, literally the first thing that came to my mind was when I'm watching a TV show, especially an animated show, and I hear a voice or I see a, an actor, and I think to myself, I know that person from somewhere. Where do I know them from? And I, I know that the, the knee-jerk reaction is to be like, yo, Google, what's the answer? But from me, and again, this is stupid. This is such a dumb example. I should cut this out, but I'm not going to. What I like to do is I like to almost pause the movie or TV show, sometimes not, but whoever I'm watching it with, be like, okay, I've seen him in this, or I've seen her in that, or like, oh, that voice sounds like it's from this movie. And then like we kind of work together and figure out who the person is. Now, I know that's not exactly what's going on here with Galloway, obviously, but it's that idea of like actually pursuing the answer. I suppose Googling the answer counts as pursuing the answer, but to me, it seems like, I don't know, seems a little, a little lazy in Galloway's eyes. I don't know. I'm not a very good Galloweanian. Wait, what? Is that what it would be? Galloweanian? Galloweanite? Galwanion? I don't know. At World of AR is my Twitter handle. What do you think a Galloway devotee would be called? Let me know. The other scripture book that we can read is called The Great Western Stag. Um, this is, um, yeah, like I said, it's another capital S scripture, and it reads as such. It's, it's more of a story, it seems like. One day, Aethys, which is one of the other eleven gods, god of light and redemption, one day Aethys was sitting on a wall, watching a cat play in the sun. A crystal hung in a nearby tree had fragmented a sunbeam and scattered small motes of light on the ground. They danced around the cat, sliding over him as he frantically batted at them. He spun in place, followed one as it rushed past him, and leapt on it, trying to pin it down. Aethys smiled, amused at the animal's tenacity. The cat landed on a spot, placing his paws over it, only to watch it flit away again. Aethys watched the cat's tail twitch and slap at the ground, annoyed that his prey could not be pinned. Why must you tease him? A voice said from behind, accompanied by the crunch of sandals on gravel. I merely bring the dawn, Aethys responded. I don't stoke the hunter's heart. That's your responsibility, isn't it? True, said the second voice, but neither do you quell it. If the hunter could not see his prey, would he still hunt? So philosophical, Hylia, Aethys said, and turned to greet the two gods that approached him. Have you come to debate the parallel between sight and desire? He gestured to the wall, inviting Hylia and Galloway to join him. They sat in silence, watching the cat who continued to hunt the sun, fruitlessly swatting at another moat and then rolling onto his back. I have created the ultimate prey, Aethys said, finally breaking the silence. It can be tracked, it can be followed, it can be seen, but it can never be caught. 
Galloway laughed lightly. You don't agree, Galloway, Aethys asked. While it's true that your creation is elusive, it can hardly be considered the ultimate prey because it can never be caught. He paused, his brow furrowed in thought. If that mode of light had substance, the hunter could subdue it. Otherwise, it's merely a dream, truly a fruitless endeavor. All creatures spend their lives chasing fruitless endeavors, said Halia. It's the way of mortality. Galloway laughed again. I could create a creature, a living creature of flesh and blood that could never be caught. I make your dream a reality. Now it was Aethys's turn to laugh. You propose turning a fruitless dream into a fruitless reality? How is that any better? A life spent in the pursuit of attainable goal for exceeds any other. But you just said no one could catch this creature. This is not attainable. Galloway smiled. Humanity has surprised us before. Indeed, it could surprise us again. I will create a great white stag, and I will set it free in the world. It will have grace, resilience, and tenacity. It will exist solely to be pursued for all its days, and it will never be caught. It will serve to inspire the hunt for generations to come. All those who wish for glory will invoke my name. All those who hear its story will ask for my blessing in finding it. Hylia shook her head and threw Galloway a bemused look. I do not believe this is possible, so I too make an offer. To the person who catches the stag, and they will catch the stag, I bestow upon them its grace, resiliency, and tenacity. Thrice blessed they will be, and they will ask for my blessing on the hunt so they can obtain my boon. Galloway and Ahylia took up arguing whose name should be invoked more when the hunt was on. Aethys sighed, a small smile playing at the edges of his mouth. He stood and looked at the sky. The sun had already started to hide itself behind the mountains. The cat, long ago tired of its stalking the moats, had fallen asleep beneath the tree. He turned and looked at the other gods, deep in debate, and sighed again. I merely bring the dawn, he repeated. As he made his way down the path, it is up to you to see what I reveal. So there you go. That's actually got a little bit to do with um, Aethys and Aehylia as well, but Galloway's definitely in there. So they're arguing on whether or not who is going to be called upon, Galloway or Halea, in the pursuit of this great white stag, the hunt for this great white stag. And they're kind of talking about whether or not this is a worthy hunt, this idea of a cat chasing a moat of light, because it can never truly catch it, you know? There's an interesting kind of, like, question that's behind that, and I, I, I'm really into that. All right, and here we are, 40 minutes into recording, and it's time to get to the... What's this going to be like in a vowed section? Yeah. Is an oath worth the weight of a crown? Now, before I jump into what this is going to mean in a vowed, I do want to point out that there is other lore related to Galloway, but I also don't want this episode to go two hours long. Um, there are things we can talk about regarding specific people that have prayed to Galloway and what they got as a result. Um, there's someone called Saint Umaku who has a war bow tied to him um and he becomes kind of a guardian of an area because galloway blessed him to be and he's in charge of monitoring predators and prey and maintaining balance in the area and it's got it just shows more of what we've already discussed about galloway as well there is a piece of light armor from the first pillars of eternity game where galloway has a proposal by a hunter to see who can um best him in a hunting contest and that kind of thing and that just more talks about like how a hunter can be clever in overcoming the hunt, really, and how Galloway would reward for someone for that. All of this is stuff that we've already discussed, and so I'm not going to get into that stuff in further detail because we've already talked about it. But I do want to ask, what does this look like for Avowed? Well, in relation to what I just talked about, one of the things that could be in Avowed is that Galloway would be a great source for, I wouldn't say radiant quests, but kind of like 
challenges, right? So if it comes to combat challenges or hunting challenges in the game, if something like that exists, then Galloway would be a, a, a deity to lean into. Perhaps our characters would go to some temple in the middle of the woods, pray to Galloway, and Galloway would be like, yo, dude, if you like go and hunt down this mega crocodile, I'll give you um, the newest Fortnite skin or something. Obviously, Galloway doesn't talk like that. But anyways, point being that um, that would be... Um, an interesting kind of radiant quest setup it would be something for you to challenge the skills you already have and perhaps their ways of getting really high tier weapons and armor who knows right so that's something that could be involved in avowed obviously if we can play a priest in avowed perhaps we can play a galloway priest or we can play a priest that allies with galloway uh, we might be able to be a nature godlike that is someone who is blessed by galloway we could also speak directly to the god galloway and outside of our own player character, the other characters in the world could be doing stuff like this. So there could be other godlike or priests that are related to Galloway that we interact with. And we have to understand the theology of who Galloway is in order to help people navigate side quests or their own companion quests even to figure out the answers to stuff. Just like with Haravius from the first Pillars of Eternity game, maybe one of the companions we have is having a faith crisis related to Galloway and we need to know the theology enough to help direct them in a way to go. There's all sorts of things that could be involved with Galloway, you know, the chicken thing that I already brought up, which I really hope is actually in Avowed. That'd be great, because it's just, it's going to happen. If there's chickens in that game, gamers will sli slash the chickens. It's just law. You have to do it. So things like that. Um, obviously, if you played Pillars of Eternity 2, Deadfire, the Seeker Slayer Survivor DLC is very much tied to Galloway. There's so much going on there, um, and perhaps we'll do lore DLC down the road so we can talk a little bit more about it but perhaps there could be something like that with Galloway. so i already talked about hunting challenges but perhaps there's just like combat arena challenges and things like that you know there's there's so much that could be involved with Galloway in avowed and i like all the ideas and i'm interested to hear what you have to say and this is how i'm going to transition to the end of the episode of how you can reach me i'm interested in what you have to say what are some ways that you think Galloway could be involved in Avowed. Uh, what are some things that you think Obsidian could do to involve Galloway that have your character or other characters tangibly related to Galloway? What are some ideas you have? Email me worldofaora at gmail.com or reach me on Twitter at worldofaora. If you just want to ask a question about the show or about the game or about the lore or about me or just talk about your experiences with Pillars of Eternity or criticize something that I missed or said wrong or said right or whatever, send me an email, send me a tweet. I love talking about this stuff. And despite what most people probably think, I love being corrected because I can be wrong. Of course I can be wrong. Anyone can be wrong. And I like to be corrected so I can give you guys the truth, you know, which is what I think Galloween would want in the end. You know, I think he would want us to learn the truth of the matter. And I'm going to help you guys get there. I'm part of this hunt in this form to get the truth of the Aeoran fantasy world out there. So those of you who play Avowed can understand what it is you're getting into. And before I sign off, there's just one thing left that I want to do. I want to give a shout out to Pervi Perfidia, Perfidia45. I hope I'm saying that right. P-R-F-I-D-A. Yeah, Perfidia45. I just want to give a quick shout out. Uh, five star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. Uh, Perfidia45, November 25th, you posted great podcast, everything I was hoping to find. The nuanced and compelling fantasy world of Pillars of Eternity Games has left me with a lot of questions after I finished my first playthrough. 
I totally get that. The first time I played Pillars of Eternity, I had I felt like I did not understand the world fully because so many questions. Uh, but something I love about games like this. I searched iTunes hoping to find a podcast to help satisfy my curiosity, and bam, the world of Eora is exactly what I was listening for. Host Eric does a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. Both discussing the subject matter and respecting the experience of other players, including, no doubt, some very knowledgeable and opinionated fans of the game. Yes, there are a wide variety of people that listen to the show. I literally know people who listen to this show. They don't even know what Pillars of Eternity is. They don't know what Aora is. I don't understand why you're listening to this show. Don't get me wrong. Happy you're here. So if you're listening to it, thanks for listening to the show. I love it. Write in, ask questions, or keep listening. I don't care. Maybe you just like the sound of my voice. Uh, I'm happy I'm providing some service. But I have people who don't know what Pillars of Eternity is at all. And then I have people who I think should be running this show because they know so much more than me at the drop of a hat. Um, But yeah. Uh, respecting experience of players his earnest take is also very approachable he relates ideas from the game to real world culture and history without ever seeming pretentious thank you i actually i actually try really hard to not do that because um i think that i naturally can sound pretentious so i try really hard not to so it's actually very affirming to hear you say that thank you aura is a fantasy world rich in lore and meaning and i'm glad to be able to understand it better with eric as my guide thank you for doing what you are doing five stars perfidia 45 thank you so much for that review i loved it it like elated me and i was like i have an energy right now that is just like um, i'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight I, you know i'm recording this before going to bed i think i'm gonna have to go watch tv or read a book or something and calm down because i'm just like yes that's awesome thank you for that um anyone else you leave a five-star review i'll read it on the show now that's not my way of trying to lure people into giving me false five-star reviews but that is the truth of the matter heck actually if you give me a one-star review i probably read it on the show too um i don't think i'm that vain anyways thank you so much just wanted to read that out in the show because it brightened my day and i want you guys to know that uh that's everything there is to talk about today not much to go over for myself the only thing i've been doing lately is playing grounded um and i don't know i never do this on the show i don't tell you guys what i'm playing and I don't know if you want it or not, but here it is. I've been playing Grounded, and it's great. It's another Obsidian game. And I don't know what about it, because I don't like crafting survival games, but there's something about this game. They do it so well, and they do it so right. And I love that you don't have to be online with your friends at the same time all the time. You can like play a shared world where just you can log in or your friends can log in, and the changes they make will stay. Or you can play solo. Actually, playing a game solo would be a lot of fun. Maybe I should redo it. Anyways, that's all I've been playing lately. What have you guys been playing lately? Remember, worldofaora at gmail.com or at worldofaora. That's everything I have to say now. Thanks for for following me on that. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening on today's episode where we rant and raved about Galloween, the lord of the hunt in all of its forms. And I'm sure some of you out there realize that you actually are a devotee of Galloween and you didn't even know it. Um, My name's Eric. I've been your host. I'll see you guys next time.